Matthew chapter 17, and this is what it says. I promise you, if you have faith inside of you, no bigger than the size of a small mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move away from here and go over there and you will see it move. There is nothing that you couldn't do. That's a powerful prayer, amen? Okay, let's pray. Heavenly Father, as hard as this can be, we want to ask you to search us this morning. Search us and know our hurts, know our fears, reveal to us our anxious thoughts. Um, show us anything inside that is offensive to you. God, we want to see in us what you see in us. So God, speak freely. We have our ears open. In your mighty name we pray, amen and amen. You can be seated, thank you. So we have been going through this series um, praying for prayers so far together. And not all of those prayers have been easy prayers. Um, they are not safe prayers necessarily. They are not benign prayers. Um, we've been calling them powerful prayers, mountain moving prayers, because I believe that's what they are. And I believe prayer is powerful. I'm so thankful for our groups. We have four different times now during the week that groups pray. Some of you are in here before service praying. So thankful for intercessors that go to their knees and pray. I, I think a lot of us are accustomed to praying too safe sometimes, myself included. What do we often pray for? You know, we pray simple prayers sometimes without even stopping to realize what we're saying. You know, uh, they almost are, I, I use the word rote in the, the video, you know, God bless us, and, but we don't even think about the power behind that prayer. Um, it's safe, right? God bless us, I wanna be blessed. Um, God help us, good. That's good, but it's safe, right? God protect us as we travel. That's doubly safe. We want to be safe when we're traveling, right? But what we've been trying to do with this series is to arm you with some prayers that will affect change in your life. And um, I think those, those are important and they're powerful and they're potent prayers. And so when you pray these prayers, you're really asking God to do something that will often take you out of your comfort zone. And in our first week together, we talked about praying for boldness. God, make me bold. Which then we prayed together, which was a great lead up to week two, because then we prayed together, speak to me, Lord, which a lot of times we need boldness. Um, first of all, to let him, to, to take the opportunity, courage to let him speak to us, right? So often we just fill our lives with so much stuff that we don't stop and let his small voice speak to us. But then when he does, a lot of times we got to act in faith, right? In boldness. So Lord, make me bold and then speak to me and then help me to move out with what you've spoken to me. After that, um, our third week, we talked about God breaking our hearts uh, for what breaks his. And after that, uh, God used Pastor Deanna powerfully um, to do that in a very uh, special way. And, and as we prayed for an opportunity to, to break our alabaster boxes, which the idea, it just means you know, that which means more to us than anything else, Lord, let us lay that on the altar and, and worship to you. Next week is Easter Sunday. So we're gonna be going, you know, different direction for that. Um, but I, but if, if I did one more week in this series, if I, because I kind of have things mapped out a lot of times in my head and I, I just haven't decided yet where, where I'm gonna go, but I would wrap it up with this prayer. Send me, right? 
take, take everything that we've been praying so far and help me as I walk out the door this morning, go where you want me to go and do where you, what you want me to do. Send me. In other words, instead of living my life, I'll do whatever what I, I want to do with my life. We're going to say, God, I'm, I'm signing a blank contract. Lord, do with me whatever, uh, whenever, however, uh, whatever you want to do. God, I'm available to you. Whatever you want to do, my life is yours, so send me. But today... We're going to lean into an equally powerful prayer. It's especially maybe potent to, to me this week. Um, we're going to be looking at a prayer that David prayed, prayed in Psalm 139. And David prayed this after his enemies and God's enemies were on the attack and they were accusing David of having wrong motives. And so instead of defending himself, what did he do? He prayed this prayer. He prayed this prayer before God. And he asked God to search his heart. Let's go to verses uh, 23 and 24. And then I'm going to ask us all to pray this prayer aloud. First, let me read it. This is what David prayed. God, I invite your searching gaze into my heart. Examine me through and through and find out everything that may be hidden within me. Put me to the test and sift through all my anxious cares. See if there is any path of pain that I'm walking on and lead me back to your glorious everlasting way, the path that brings me back to you. So if you wouldn't mind, let's just move our hearts towards prayer and just pray this aloud together. God, I invite your searching gaze into my heart. Examine me through and through. Find out everything that may be hidden within me. Put me to the test and sift through all of my anxious cares. See if there is any path of pain I'm walking on and lead me back to your glorious everlasting way, the path that brings me back to you. Amen. Amen. So in order to, to, to digest this, what I want to do is just spend the rest of our day on those two verses, really, is what we're going to focus in on. And what I want to do is break this prayer down into four parts, and we'll talk through each of these. And this, I believe, will arm and equip us, myself included, to make this prayer just a regular part of our life. And the first thing that David prays is, what? Search my heart. He says it very matter-of-factly, directly in verse 23, God, I invite your searching gaze into my heart. I want you to look into my innermost parts, and I want you to see there. And um, now for some of you when, when you, when you hear that, some of you might be thinking, why would we ask God to search our heart? Because, you know, he knows it. And some of us are thinking, well, I've, I've got a good heart. I mean, uh, you've got a good heart, I've got a good heart, we all got a good heart, right? And actually, you know, what we, what we need to understand is that without Christ, we do not have a good heart. And so Jeremiah 17, 9 says this, the human heart is what? Let's all say it aloud. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? We need to understand that without Jesus, our heart is not a good heart, that we deceive others and we deceive ourselves. In fact, 
we're all liars. <laughs> How many of you are liars? Raise your hand. Uh, all right, some of you are liars. <laughs> um, just go ahead and say it. Liar, liar, pants on fire. Um, <laughs> we're, we're all, li- we lie. And, and, and I'm gonna argue that often the most common lie that we tell is to ourselves. We lie to ourselves. The heart is deceitful. We deceive ourselves. We lie to ourselves. Like, I don't need a lot. I don't, I don't need that much, but hmm, I, I don't have those shoes and I do really need them, <laughs> right? We lie to ourselves. Or I, I don't need that much. I'm only gonna have one drink. Well, maybe I'll have two drinks. I'm gonna have, you know, not too many drinks. Or, I'm not full of pride, but I can't help it if I'm better than everybody else. I'm not full of pride. I mean, I don't lose like ever. I'm not full of lust. I just really appreciate a nice, fine physique, right? Or I'm not materialistic. I mean, I just need nice things. I'm not a gossip. I never gossip. I'm just telling people to pray for all the people who are doing all the bad things. The heart is deceitful above all things. And this is a really powerful prayer where we go before God and we say, search my heart and show me what's in there. Because sometimes we don't even see it. I remember the first time being exposed to this verse. It was a really transformational point in my life. I was in junior high, and I was attending um, this youth conference with our youth group somewhere in Minnesota. And I remember the speaker coming in like he had some business to accomplish. And he was talking about God and how you could know God. And he said, what I want you to do is I want you to read these verses. And we read the verses that we just read this morning. Um, I want you to read these two verses. And he talked about David and his prayer and this prayer of search me and how David had courage to pray this in this moment where all the enemies were attacking and all these things were being said about him. And I just remember um, him, the speaker, giving us about a half an hour to a room full of teenagers to pray this prayer. And he said, when you pray, I want you to listen for God to speak and to respond to this prayer. Like, you know, in my head, I'm thinking, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a very young believer. And you're like, dude, you, you mean maybe I could hear from God in this moment? You know, this it was kind of new to me. You know, this was a bit new to me, even though I grew up in a Christian home, the idea of me being able to directly hear from God was still fresh. And so I went and I sincerely prayed this prayer. Search me, God. Know my heart. Show me anything, uh, show me any offenses in me. And, and I prayed and then I listened. And I remember God saying, you have an amazing heart. Remember him saying, you have an amazing heart. You're the best kid I know. I can't believe I created you. You're so good. No, he didn't say that. <laughs> but I did hear, you have an amazing heart. That was the first thing I heard. And it, it wasn't audible, but I had this overwhelming sense of his presence. And you have an amazing heart. You do. You have an amazing heart, Sean. But you're barely leaning into your relationship with me. And I want you to draw you into my presence. I really want to have a relationship with you. 
This was after, I mean, I'm not going to go into the story this morning. I'll save it for another day. But I had just been suspended from a Christian school for a few days. Yeah, it's a story. <laughs> and, you know, I, I was kind of at the place in my life where I, I, you know, I had said the salvation prayer and I was kind of going through the motions and I was going to church, but I wasn't necessarily excited about it. And I came here and God's presence just overwhelmed me. And this thing, this whole thing was happening to me and it felt like three minutes. But what I realized as we're getting ready to leave is that ministry time had lasted for three hours. And I had opened up my heart and there was this, I mean, there was a pool of tears around my knees where I had been kneeling. And Holy Spirit just baptized me in a really powerful way that evening. And I had this real sense at that moment up to that point that a lot of my spiritual walk had just been kind of predicated on just being born into my parents' faith. And uh, I was kind of walking the walk when I was at church, but really kind of faking my way through my relationship with God. And it was just kind of going through the motions. And it was that weekend and that prayer that Holy Spirit used to speak deeply to me. And I had a fire lit in my bones that night. And I didn't want, you know, to be one guy when I was with my high school friends and then somebody else when I walked into a church building. And so in this moment, I had this real sense and this awareness of my absolute need for God. And I just remember being just drawn to him. That's, that's just really how, the only way I can explain it and just kind of lost in worship on my knees. I didn't even realize. I mean, some of us, you know, we know how hard it is to be on our knees for three minutes. And it was almost three hours. And when you pray, search my heart, it's a powerful prayer because God is going to show you things when you pray this prayer in your heart that, that can be purified to bring you into a deeper intimacy with him as Holy Spirit transforms you. And so search my heart, God. And then as we read on, this is what he prays. And essentially, I, this is the way I wrote it. The second part, number two, reveal my fears. Search my heart, reveal my fears. He says this in verse 23. I'm gonna start over from the beginning. God, I invite your searching gaze into my heart. Examine me through and through. Find out everything that may be hidden within me. Put me to the test and then sift through what? Let's all say it aloud and sift through all my anxious cares. All your anxious cares. What is it that makes you anxious? Some translations say, know my anxious thoughts. A lot of times we don't even acknowledge them or we push them down and we just have to think, well, you know, everybody has to worry about this, right? And so it's just, eh. But what is it that makes you afraid? I'm not talking about snakes and spiders and, you know, the noise that you heard after you got into bed last night. What is it what is it internally that makes you afraid? What is it that makes you anxious? Afraid of losing your job? Afraid of not getting married by such and such of age? Afraid of being stuck in the marriage that you're in and it not getting any better? It's not healing? Afraid of the future, the unknown? Afraid of failing? Some people are afraid of succeeding. Maybe you're afraid of loss. What if I lose somebody? What if I lose something that I value dearly? What, why does this matter? 
Why would we pray, God, show me my anxious thoughts? I would argue this because, I put this on your notes, what we fear the most reveals where we trust God the least. Think about that. What we fear the most reveals where we trust God the least. If I'm scared to death that my marriage isn't gonna work, I'm not trusting God with my marriage. If I'm afraid that I'm not gonna be able to pay the bills, I'm not trusting God to be my provider, right? If, if I'm afraid of keeping my children safe, maybe I'm not trusting God with my children. And so what you fear the most reveals where you trust God the least. God, reveal my fears, put me to the test and sift through all of my anxious cares. So I've been praying this prayer this week, every day, just like I'm gonna ask you to do at the end of this message. I started my day praying what I think is this, this powerful prayer, search my heart, reveal my anxious thoughts. And what God showed me about what I fear the most is not something I'm really proud of, but I am scared to death of failing. <laughs> and as a result, I've been praying through that some more this week, and I, and I recognize that what I fear is not just failing, but it's letting people down. And then I got to the deeper level as I was um, praying through it, and I realized again, I just have this massive fear of being inadequate and of not being enough, not being good enough, not being righteous enough, not being wise enough, not being whatever enough, right? That's my fear. And this is a real issue, and it has been, because I don't want to be driven by fear. Nobody does, right? I want to be led by faith. I want to be led by faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And there are some things that I really believe that God wants to do in our church, right? But there's no guarantees that it's always going to work. And so I don't want my fear to keep me from being obedient. And I'm telling you, maybe more than you want to know, but this week of praying through this has been really meaningful to me. As I was praying this week, what I really believe God showed me is that, you know, I have to love pleasing him more than I fear failing. And that was really powerful to me. I have to love pleasing him and being obedient to him more than I'm afraid of failing. And so just in my own time of praying this, please put me to the test and sift through all of my anxious cares. This is what God spoke. And so what am I doing? What am I doing in response to that? I'm quoting scripture to renew my mind. Perfect love casts out all fear, right? God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. And I wanna just kind of dare you to pray this prayer. Search my heart, oh God and test me and know my anxious thoughts. Why does what you fear matter? What you fear the most reveals where you trust God the least. And suddenly I recognize 
in this area, and I, and I knew this in my head, sometimes it just takes a God moment, kind of like a God, you know, <laughs> to kind of wake up to, to some of the things that are going on in your life, right? I'm not really trusting God. And as you start to do what I did, God will lead you down to the root of your fear and what he does, in the, or, or whatever it is, your anxious thoughts, and then God uses the word to speak to the root of the problem. And Jesus can and will shine light in every dark place. That's what he does. And guess what? Suddenly you'll find yourself saying, I will take that step of faith. I will. Or I will do what God is calling me to do. It all started with God, make me bold, speak to me. Now you're speaking to me. Okay, you're, you're searching my heart. Now I'm gonna step out and do it. This is a powerful prayer. When you pray this, God will reveal things to you about yourself that you may not have been willing to acknowledge, maybe for years and years and years. Because the most common lie we often tell ourselves is, oh, that's not an issue for me. I'm gonna be fine that's why we pray, search my heart, God, reveal my fears. Number three, believe it or not, this is where it gets a little bit more difficult. <laughs> See if there is any path of pain that I'm walking on. This phrase in the original language for path of pain is the word otseb, which literally translates hurtful way or the way of idolatry or the wicked so this is what David prays. And I love the, 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 the courage that it takes to pray this. He prays, God, see if there is any offense, any offensive way in me. See if there's any idolatry in me. See if I have any idols in my life. Show me anything about my life that is inconsistent with your truth. Show me anything that I'm doing that is displeasing to you. See if there is any idols that I'm holding on to. Because have you noticed, it's really difficult to see our own shortcomings in the mirror. <laughs> we tend to accuse others. And what do we do with ourselves? We excuse ourselves, right? Um, it's, it's difficult to see our own things. It's so easy to find everybody else's. Can you believe the way that she walked around so full of pride? But who, me, full of pride? Oh, no, 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 no. Bless Jesus, I'm holy. I'm holy and humble. <laughs> What do we do with ourselves? We excuse ourselves. Anybody remember uh, Matthew 7, verse 1? This is what it says. Refuse to be a critic full of bias towards others, and you will not be judged. A translation that's probably more familiar to a lot of us. Judge not, lest you be judged. It's so easy to see everybody else's flaws, but not our own. And this can be one of the most game-changing prayers that you pray. So I want to give you three questions that are helpful to ask yourself as you're praying. Uncover any offensive way in me. These are the three questions that really could help with our self-awareness, okay? The first question is this. What are others trying to say to me? In other words, if you've had three or four people come up and tell you, hey, I think you might have a problem. This is kind of an issue. I'm a little bit concerned about you. Um, if you've consistently got people that love you, that love God, that are telling you that this might be something that you want to pay close attention to then. Um, there's, there's a common denominator here, and it is you, right? And so pay attention to that. The second question to ask yourself is, what have I rationalized? What have I rationalized maybe for some time? In other words, 
well, yeah, this, this might not be right, but it's, it's not that big of a deal. How, how many times have we said that to ourselves? This is not that big of a deal. This is just how I deal with things. This is how I cope. It's nobody else's business anyway. This isn't really hurting anybody. What have you rationalized? I'm going to quit, but for now, it's not that big of a deal. Right? And then the third thing is, where am I the most defensive? Where am I the most defensive? No, we're not going to go there. We're not going to talk about that. We... We don't talk about Bruno. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> I don't have a problem with that. I told you we're not gonna talk about that. And then when somebody talks about that, what happens? The defenses are up. It happened to me this week. Where are you the most defensive? When I see those three questions, it takes my mind right back to a significant issue that I had and, I, and denied for quite some time until I asked God to search me. Um, and for the longest time, early on in ministry especially, I was the rules guy. I mean, Deanna and I love to create a culture of fun. Uh, but man, if you're in my youth group and it was camp, lights out means lights out. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> and so forth. And so, honestly, there's no problem with being a rules guy as long as you can do it with grace and love. But some of you will remember the story I've told before um, when Deanna and I had the youth group down in Mission, South Dakota, and we had just finished a long and hard work day. And um, the boys were sleeping downstairs, and, and the girls were upstairs, and it was lights out time. I checked. <laughs> And I was tired. It was a long, hard physical day. We had spent a lot of time doing physical work. Um, it was kind of an outreach project. And um, I think this is what triggered me. Um, there was a, one of the guys that was sleeping in my room. He, he kind of uh, leaned over and said uh, to the whole, so the whole room can hear it. Um, there was some noise coming from the upstairs where the girls were. And he said, this is all he said. He said, are you going to do something about that? <laughs> and were you there? I don't remember. But I, uh, I did something about that. <laughs> I got up and I was, I was not filled with love, but I was filled with a little bit of anger and maybe a lot of anger. And I stormed up the stairs and I turned off the lights on my youth group kids, and, um, and said something short and abrupt about the, it's lights out time, you know, go to bed. I stormed back down the stairs, and before I reached the bottom of the stairs, I could hear another set of feet storming down after me, and that was Deanna. <laughs> and we had a good talk that night. Um, <laughs> She's the, she's the voice of the Holy Spirit so many times in my life. <laughs> um, but she said, do you know what we were doing up there? She said, we were singing worship songs. And we were sharing testimonies. She said, you just shut down worship and testimonies. <laughs> and my girls were excited about it. And, and I, I, I remember just how I felt after that. 
Um, I, I remember another time um, when I was a GL and I had a kid from another church, had a hard time being quiet at night. I was his GL, his group leader. And it irked me so much that I just went over and with a chip on my shoulder, I stood at his bed staring at him until he was quiet and went to sleep. <laughs> now, I had kind of a right thing going on trying to keep some order so that the other kids in the room could get some sleep because he was causing chaos every night. But man, I struggled to do it with love. And I was letting anger get the best of me. And instead of forming you know, good relationships with those kids and talking through it, I'm sure those kids probably remember my grumbly attitude when they weren't doing what I wanted. And so finally, Deanna spoke to me that night in, in mission after she charged down the chairs and we were up way past lights out because I had messed up and we needed to talk. And so if you don't already know Deanna, she is just so full of wisdom. And um, she basically said, Sean, I want you to know that I'm in, you know, this is, um, you know, the youth ministry that we're leading under Jesus' leadership, and I got your back no, no matter what, but tonight you crossed a line that you shouldn't have. And more words or less, what she said is, you know, I, I, I know that you really want to please God, and I know that about you, and so would you mind just praying and asking God to show you if you're being too uptight about some of these things? She did. She told me to pray about it. It was basically saying to pray that prayer, search my heart. And she said, you know, I think he'll show you. And so I felt so bad that night. I knew I had messed up. I thought to myself, you know, her request sounds reasonable enough. And so I did it. And that very night I prayed. It wasn't the deep lengthy prayer because I was super tired by that time. And it was just, okay, God, show me if I am, you know, what she said. <laughs> search me know my anxious thoughts, and I know you will. And it wasn't too long after that, maybe even the next week, I was preaching right here in this room to our youth group, and there were some kids that were talking during the message, and, and it was a, which is a you know, big pet peeve of a lot of youth pastors, and where I might have normally angrily addressed them loudly and very publicly before, instead I, I just determined in myself, I'm gonna talk to, I'm gonna ask them politely to quiet down, and then I had a chat with them like a friend afterwards. And, you know, it's more like a friend than an uptight control freak is what happened. And so it was that night where I messed up down in Mission, South Dakota, and where Deanna spoke some tough love to me that I was massively, I don't know what the word is, convicted. Holy Spirit can do that, right? He shines the light on the muck in us to work it out of us. And when I prayed that prayer, it was like, oh my gosh, I have been saying and doing things that are a bad reflection of my loving father. Therefore, it's a bad example to these kids in the youth group. And I had a pretty big attitude shift. And I still have to work on, you know, sometimes. But when you have the courage to pray this prayer, see if there is any offense in me. Let me make you a promise. God will point some things out. <laughs> Holy Spirit, he loves to do this, shine a light on things that you've been maybe trying to explain away for a long time. God will point some things out that you've been trying to even deny. Don't deny the truth, right? De denying the truth doesn't make truth false. Submit yourself to what God is trying to show you. And then what do we do? If you have the courage, 
when God shows us something and he's brought it into the light, we bring it back to God. Scripture says this, if we freely admit our sins, when his light uncovers them, he will be faithful to forgive us every time. God is just to forgive our sins because of Jesus and he will continue to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But we also confess to people. Look at this next verse. Confess and acknowledge how you have offended one another and then pray for one another to be instantly healed for tremendous power is released through the passionate, heartfelt prayer of a godly believer. So we confess to God for forgiveness, but we confess to people for healing. And so this is why connect groups, small groups are an absolutely vital part of what we do because we come together as part of the communion of God and we say, you know what? I need help here. Would you hold me accountable? Would you pray for me? And God is showing me this and God is showing me that. And suddenly we recognize, we get in the room with a group of people. Well, he's not perfect and she's not perfect. And so therefore I can show my imperfections too. (laughs) And all of a sudden you have an amazing group of people surround you that you can be real and raw with. And we all need that. We do. And can I just say something? This This is a place where imperfect people are transformed by a perfect God. And we should open up our faults, our shortcomings to one another. And then we recognize that we're all in process. We all need the help of Jesus. And so we pray, search my heart, God. Reveal my fears. Uncover any offensive way in me. And some of us are still kind of putting on a performance for people, right? That's what we do. It's, it's, it's always, I've, I've been guilty of this so many times. I, I got, it's a whole other story. I got fired once for, for my, uh, the building operator in a building I was working security for fired me because I was smiling too much when he came in and he asked me a question and he thought I was making fun of him. Um, You know, so we can put on faces sometimes. I have kind of an automatic smile that happens on my face. I I don't know why. Some of us have the opposite of that. Um, But suddenly we realize, you know, we, we get in the place. We recognize that we're all in process. We need the help of Jesus. So we pray, search my heart. And we put on this performance for people. It's almost like we're back in high school where the peer pressure is high, right? And I don't want to fail and I don't want to let people down and I want to live up to everybody's expectation and I don't want to be inadequate and I don't want other people to think that I don't have what it takes. So maybe I say and laugh at things that maybe I really shouldn't and, and I'm performing for people. But when you add all of those things up, here's what I saw in myself. For the vast majority of my life, I've battled with this living for the approval of man instead of living for the approval of God. That's, how's that for disturbing, right? So what does that do? The conclusion and the truth of that, when I came to realize that, the conclusion points me to my need for Jesus. That points me to my need for his grace. That points me to knowing that my identity has got to be rooted in him and not in what people think. And what our need does is it always points us to the area where we must call on and lean on and depend on Jesus. Whatever he shows you, I'm addicted. I don't want to admit it, but I'm addicted. Listen, you need his power to overcome addiction. And well, I'm full of pride. 
Okay, well, you need his power to be humbled and to depend on him. Well, I've got a lust issue and it's out of control. You need his truth to renew your mind and to transform your heart. I'm materialistic. I'm, I'm, I'm loving the things of this world. Well, you need to fall so in love with him that you come to know that this world is not your home, but heaven is your home. Whatever he shows you, it always points you directly to your need for him. That's where it goes. It always points directly to your need for Jesus. And it's a powerful prayer. It takes courage to pray it because when you pray it, he'll show you some things about yourself that you're not really proud of. But he will always lead with love and grace. There's always grace. Look what David said at the very end. What does he pray? The end of this prayer, he prays number four, lead me. Lead me. When you showed me what I don't, what I don't like about myself and show me what needs to be done, now you lead me in the way of everlasting. Verse 24, he says, lead me back to your glorious everlasting way, the path that brings me back to you. Lead me back to your glorious everlasting way. When you have the courage to pray, this is a very powerful prayer, search me, God. You have permission to look deep down into the depths of my deceitful heart and show me, God, reveal my fears, reveal my anxious thoughts, show me the very places that I fear the most because that shows me where I trust you the least and see if there's any offensive way in me. No, I'm not pointing the finger at anybody, God. I'm letting you reveal to me what I need to hear. You see, in the early years, we can get a big, we can get some of the big things out of the way. A lot of us are able to work through some of that stuff, but then when you walk with Jesus for some time, suddenly it seems like for a lot of us, it's the little things that creep in, or at least we call them little, but you know what I found? The little things are often the big things. It's often the hard issues that are the biggest things that he'll reveal to you, and then when he shows you, what does that do? It points us our direct need for him. Jesus, I need your help. Holy Spirit, I need your power. I need your grace. Jesus, I need your freedom. My identity is found in you. It is rooted in you. I refuse to perform for people. Help me to live for an audience of one. Holy Spirit, help me to know who I am in Jesus, that my security is in you. And when you pray this prayer, it will reveal your need then you take that need directly back to Jesus and you let Jesus in his overflowing grace that we sang about, his never ending grace. You let it meet that need and conform you to his image. It's a powerful prayer that can transform your life. It really is. So I want, I would like us to do this. Let's close together by praying together this prayer from Psalm 139. And I'm just gonna paraphrase it and you can close your eyes and I just, I want, I'm gonna pray the words and I want you to put the heart into it, okay? Father, search me. Father, know my heart. Know my fears, know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me back to your glorious and everlasting way, the path that brings me back to you. Father, we ask 
that your Holy Spirit would do a new thing in us. And God, I thank you that you're speaking to us directly today. Speak to our spirit man even now. That as we start to pray and to seek you, you're gonna show us something in our lives that you're gonna transform and you're gonna lead us in a way that takes us out of bondage and brings us back into the life that you've planned. Give us the courage to ask for help. And we pray, search us, God. And we trust you to reveal whatever is in us that you would like to change. And as we're praying, I just wanna ask if you'll commit to praying this prayer every day this week. In fact, for many of us, I'm hoping it'll become an ongoing part of our prayer life. So when you wake up in the morning, it's not Instagram, that's the, that's the first thing that you look at. The first thing we do is pray. And I, and I wanna be real, real clear. Do not, do not ever do any of this out of pressure. I don't wanna manipulate anybody, but this is a serious commitment. It's a, something I would like us to do every day. I'm gonna pray and I'm gonna listen, and I'm gonna listen and see what God shows me. And when he does, I believe he will give you Holy Spirit power to become what he's calling you to become and keep on becoming. Would you do that with me today, Holy Spirit? I'm so thankful to be a part of this family, hungry to know you in a personal way. Father, I ask that over the next few days, for those of us who maybe don't spend regular time with you, that this would be the beginning of an intimate time of putting you first. When we put you first in our day, the first of our week, we worship you, we give you the first of our income, we worship you and we pray, God, could this be the beginning of just seeking you first? I submit my heart and would you transform it? And again, one more time, God, we pray this prayer. We give you permission to seek and search our hearts. We ask you to reveal our anxious thoughts. God, show us anything that is offensive in our lives. And then God, we ask you to lead us and transform us as only you can do. Amen. And so as we keep praying today, some of us, when we pray this prayer, you're gonna recognize that maybe you don't have uh, intimate relationship with God. And others of you, you're, you're not even in church right now, but you can't even believe that you're watching online right now. But there's something that's drawing you towards God, even in this moment. And let me tell you what that is. That is Holy Spirit. And when you pray and ask God to search you and uh, what you're going to realize is maybe you know, you want to see your life changed. And so maybe um, you're even carrying some baggage this morning. Maybe you're feeling some guilty feelings today. So listen, Holy Spirit conviction is a good thing. It is a totally and completely impossible for any of us ever to perform or to be good enough on our own. And what um, that does is reveal to us our need for Jesus. And so he is our rescuer and that's how good God is. He loved us so much that he came um, for us in the person of his son, Jesus, to hang out with people like us and the ones that didn't get it right, the ones that fall short. And uh, he loves us anyway, but he doesn't leave us. Jesus died on a cross for us on the third day and he rose again um, so that anyone in this house or watching online, and that includes you, Anyone who calls in his name would be saved and forgiven. So this whole message, listen to me, this whole message was for you today. We all need Jesus. We need his forgiveness and we need his grace. And that's why you're here. No one needs 
to tell you this. You, need, you probably even sense it now. You need his forgiveness. We need it, and you're ready to call on him. So you're already saying in your heart, I want to walk away from my guilt, Jesus, and I'm walking towards you. I surrender my life and ask you to save me and be the first in my life. And to those of you who will say, yep, that's me. Today's the day. Um, you know, I can sense it by faith. I want to give my life to him. That's your prayer with every head bowed and every eye closed this morning. If you, would, if you would pray that prayer this morning, would you just lift your hand right now so I can agree with you? Let's pray this pray to prayer together. Would you all pray out loud? Father God, I give you my heart, all that I am. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the journey that you took to be my rescuer, all that you gave for me. Today I'm giving you full permission to search my heart. I give all of that I am to you. In your name I pray, amen and amen.